funeral planning. Do you have specific funeral plans? No, I have not planned anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like planning. <laughs> Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I'm Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. Nine years ago, I survived a month-long coma, and I woke up with questions. My guest on the podcast this week is Aaron Weaver. Aaron is, I'll just say, Aaron's comedy. He's a stand-up comedian, and if you like this show, odds are much greater than normal that you would like his comedy. Is a very specific, but still very accessible. He he has a spiritual comedy channel that is linked in the show notes. And if the idea of someone who creates a spiritual comedy channel resonates or sparks interest in you, then he is the comedian for you. I talked to Aaron because of a tragedy. Kenny DeForest, a very beloved comedian who I believe started comedy in Chicago, but eventually moved to New York and then LA. And Aaron was in Kenny's group of comics, you know, his, his generation. Uh, Kenny died about, I don't know now, a month, a couple months ago. He just this senseless death in a car accident as he was on an e-bike and it's just brutal and horrible and it, it feels so simplistic and reductive to say that the kind words about Kenny are, are good things that came out of that situation. But I guess in the straightforward sense, that is what they were, you know, people eulogized Kenny and that allowed more people to become exposed to Kenny. And it may seem weird that I am talking about Kenny in Aaron's introduction, but Aaron, especially his post about Kenny really was just very, I found very beautiful. And the way he kept posting about Kenny afterwards, you know, it's like this shit isn't done with one little social media post. So of course it makes sense that I just, I saw Aaron really grappling with the loss of his friend. And both of these are guys who were a few years ahead of me when I started stand up in Chicago, who I looked up to and had very brief, I think like one face-to-face, one-on-one interaction with Kenny and none with Aaron while he was in Chicago, but definitely respected both of these guys. And, you know, after Kenny died, I watched his most recent special. It's always absurd to watch someone's work after they die, but I figure better to watch than, than not watch that's me trying to get some of the guilt I feel about not knowing kind of how great a comic Kenny was while he was alive. Uh, get, get some of that off my chest, but his, his most recent special, don't you know who I am, which I've linked in the show notes is fucking great. There's a joke about anxiety there that is just, it's fucking, it's perfect. And you know, so as I'm taking in Kenny's work, I'm thinking about people who are processing this loss. And Aaron put out an album a while back that I really enjoyed. And I remember him being kind of a weirdo in a in a great way. And so I wanted to talk to him about his life, his work. And we had a great conversation. Also in the show notes, you can find a link to that album called Cosmic Joke. You can also find links to Aaron's spiritual comedy channel on Instagram and YouTube, his own Instagram, as well as the link to the Patreon for this show. 
patreon.com slash Dave Marr. I'm an independent comedian. I produce This Is Your Afterlife without ads or corporations. So if you believe in this show, I would love for you to become a patron. You pay me five or 15 bucks a month to continue making it. And you go to that link in the show notes. And when you do, you immediately get access to an extended version of this conversation, plus all the full convos of every episode, bonus episodes. And I want to thank Pigeon Patrons, Debo, Shuba Singh, Fred Fidawa, Katie Llewellyn, Barry Fontenot, and G. And without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Aaron Weaver. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, because I've been deep in the spiritual stuff in the spiritual world like in the pandemic me and my partner moved to a city a town in northern California that was it's like a hippie festival ayahuasca town and what's it called Nevada City okay and it's it's like a weird portal uh I, I remember do you know Duncan Trussell yeah he's like the most hippie weirdo and like he was talking about this town on his podcast and he's like, these people are nuts, man. They're the most hippie people. They're feral. Everyone's like hairy and smelly and, you know, worshiping this and that. And so we spent a year and a half up there. Uh, and it was so interesting. It was like eye opening into like, the benefits of this stuff, like the way people interact with each other is kind of beautiful. It's like they like will hug each other for like 45 seconds <laughs> and like they want to like touch each other's hearts. So you got to like go with Whoa. the right angle and so you can feel each other's heartbeats. And it's like, I mean, that's like more intimate than whole relationships I've ever had. Yeah. So So what is it like being new to that? Does someone like introduce like, oh, well, actually, sorry, you need to come back. We do. We hug this way or something. like. No, that. no, no one did that. It's just like a matter of watching and learning. Um, okay, okay. But it was weird as a comedian coming to that because I was trying to crack jokes a bunch and people are earnest. Like they were all earnest and like, they really want to like know what's going on deep down and which is cool. Like I, now I have that thing in me too, where that's like, sometimes when I'm at a comedy hang, I'm like, guys, like, when are you going to talk about what's actually going on here? And then, but also, right. you know, have the balance, you know, still make jokes. Um, yeah. And the balance is so individual that it's like, it's, it's really, it, it feels like if you're in that zone, you're always going to be too sincere for the comedy folks mm -hmm. and too comedy for the hippie folks. Yeah. Or you might, yeah, just walk the razor's edge. That's what I'm trying to do with that. Uh, yeah. I sent you that. I think I sent you that shamany thing, the spiritual comedy. Yes, stuff. yes, yes, yes. That is like trying to walk the line of, um, making fun of spiritual stuff, but also seeing the worth of it. Uh, it's, it's like so many, so much of it is beneficial for people. And then so much of it just goes too far and it gets insane. And like people get all up in their egos and they get this spiritual ego and it's annoying. And so that's where comedy is great. Like you can, it's like a check, checks and balances like you make fun of the thing that goes too far yeah but then the flip side is like if you're just immersed if the only thing you take seriously is comedy and we've all like been immersed in the know those people with those perspectives there's whole podcast universes based on that shit then it's like you're actually not fully engaging with anything Except the idea that like it's fucking stupid to yeah to man with anything yeah you're so right it's like yeah because you're what are you what are what who are you other than a thing that makes fun of other things like but where's your thing it's got to be right. more than just making fun of other things like yeah yeah <laughs> it's like your your whole thing is just dis becoming aware enough of a thing to observe it from the outside and poke fun at it yeah versus i don't know for whatever reason i'm thinking of have you seen that cat williams special did you did you follow any of that cat williams i did i watched the interview ago? yeah shit was incredible oh dude. man i mean it's like 
Yeah, not I can't endorse. I, I I don't know what percentage of things he's saying, but certain ones of them, you're just like, Whew, what a way to ring in the new year. Man, that guy's got a mind on him. He is, he's got the <laughs> gift of gab. He is dynamic. Wow. I was just impressed by how it felt so eloquent, like every moment. And he knew exactly yeah. where he was going each time and like just running circles around Shannon and like, just, I was like, God, you're fucking smart, dude. <laughs> like, dude, it, smart, but also very drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but to do that drunk, like. <laughs> totally, totally. But it reminds me of, have you seen that one special of his where he starts with like 12, the, you know, it's a regular hour, hour 15 special, but the first 12 minutes are about Tampa. I remember watching some of that, yeah, but I don't remember yeah. the specifics. That shit's incredible, where it's like, it feels like he's doing a different version of like, comedian arrives at town, learns the name of the big diner, mm-hmm. the the two other things about the, the town. The grocery store, yeah. Yeah, and spends 30 seconds crack, cracking jokes. And he's giving you a way of being like, no, I'm fully immersed in Tampa I know every like low income neighborhood in Tampa and can name them. I was like, does he have a second home? Like it made it feel like he had like lived there or something. Yeah. Um, And that was just such a, I don't know that that's, it's an, it's a nice alternative to standing outside of the thing and like undercutting it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, at, at its core and I've was like this when I started comedy, but it's like a protective thing for a lot of people comedy is a way to protect yourself mm-hmm. from vulnerability from getting made fun of from bullies from getting serious about your life like all that stuff it's like it's a way it's a protective layer and that's okay it's just yeah. there's like i don't know there there could be i like it when people go beyond that and they're they got depth you know and they can still be funny with the meditations that I'm, I'm doing that i mentioned uh yes so those are like i don't just want to be making fun of it i want people to <laughs> get something from it and mm-hmm. so those are those are always at odds though right to actually like try to get something else out of comedy other than just laughs like it's always so risky to like even having a message in a joke is risky, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like trying to walk that line of actually taking someone through an actual meditation and just being funny for most of trying to be funny as much as I can. Cause the, the Marcella's that I told you about, I think the reason there was like one track of hers that specifically like really, that I really loved. And it was, and I think the reason it worked is because the format she took wasn't like exactly, uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle or, or yoga Nidra or whatever sort of meditation. It was like a, um, Zig Ziglar fucking Tony Robbins style meditation of like, I'm a bad bitch. And like, it was like extended, like fuck haters sort sort of rants. And okay. that shit is like very, I feel like it's already, you know, you're not like immersed in a relaxed state. You're kind of like hyping yourself up already. Mm-hmm. So you, so it's easier to make jokes from that place than like a thing that's like genuinely relax yourself Okay, but then tighten your abdominal muscles to let out a laugh here. But right. then really relax yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting, right? Because is laughter different than relaxation? Um, yeah, I guess it kind of is. You do tighten up a little bit to laugh. Uh, but to me, it's like the goal of any of this stuff is to feel good. And what feels better than laughing? Paint your hell like a customized hell designed for you? That's a big question. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Let's see. I think it would be like uh, having like a bunch of itches, but you can't scratch, you know, that that's Mm -hmm. like one aspect of it. Uh, Yeah. I think uh, classic, just, 
eyeball stuff, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> needles in the eyeballs. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, let's see. You know, people, everyone there wants to tell you about their pilot that they wrote. Mm. Um, and no, no offense, but their podcast idea, you already have one, but uh, just their idea for a new one that they're they're starting. No, no, no offense taken. I mean, like, you know, every everything is terrible until it's like realized. Yeah. Hmm. What else? I had a dream once that I, I got. I was about to get eaten by crocodiles. I think like being being like on a rock and a bunch of crocodiles are around it and just, you know, waiting for the inevitable. Uh, that, w- that would suck. Um, you fuck with crocodiles? I don't I don't fuck or not fuck with crocodiles. Okay. Are you but you are you especially is it crocodile specifically that you don't fuck with? I don't know what's up with me or my algorithm, but It'll my algorithm will start sending me videos of like I like animal videos, so I'll watch yeah lions or whatever tigers or crocodiles or whatever, and then all of a sudden it'll show start showing me videos of just the most horrific shit that animals are doing, like babies getting eaten in front of their mothers and like crocodiles ripping legs off. I'm like Jesus Christ, and so I think that was infecting my psyche and i had that dream but okay okay but you like you're not like from afar you're not anti-crocodile it sounds like no 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 they're just doing their thing but i wouldn't want to be in their world by myself but it's the moment of anticipation that is more hellish to you than actually like being eaten i've always thought that yeah i've thought about everything like even getting tortured I bet it's unimaginably, I can't even imagine. It's probably, you don't, how do you get worse than that? But like the imagining (laughs) of it, it's probably a little worse, you know? Sure. Yeah. I bet when you're in it, it's something takes over and something happens inside of you. Your body like sends. You're flooded with chemicals of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the anticipation is usually worse is the point. Um, so yeah, just, yeah. Waiting to get eaten by crocodiles. Yeah. That would suck. And that would be hell. Cause if you got, I want to tell you about their podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, man, I've got this new <laughs> pond idea. Um, what do you hope happens when you die? Hmm. Well, now that my great friend has died, I hope we see, we see our, I hope it's true that we see people that have already passed that we love. That'd be sick. Uh, you hadn't thought that before? No, I've thought that before. I just... Okay. You know... It's just at the top of your mind. But now that now I have a lineup, you know, of people that I can't wait to see. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, my mom already, you know, passed, but now I got Kenny too. It's like, yo, this this would be real tight when this happens if if that's what mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. um i always liked ram das's uh description of it he says it's like taking off a tight shoe uh that sounds great but yeah i mean i hope it's i kind of think it's like real peaceful and it's like oh, okay we let go of the shackles of our earthiness and it's like you're no longer constrained by this body and just kind of free and uh formless and painless and all-knowing and you know you float around for a while until you're like all right this is boring let me go back into a body um something like that i hope it's like that (laughs) is it do you have a sense or a feeling about individual consciousness? That's a great question. I've thought about that a lot because it's people describe it like you almost lose that, but you must keep it somehow if it's true that you go in and out of these worlds and you come back and you're still an individual. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. That's a tough one, really, because 
I do think we get hyper-focused when we're in a body and, you know, obviously very self-absorbed because there is this self that is a body that you're consumed with all the time. Um, And I think if you don't have a body, it's got to be like expansive and just less like you're an individual. But I don't know if you still hold on to some sense of that individuality. I know like when I've been on psychedelics and stuff there's there's moments when i'm like am i you wait did you say that or did i say that wait yeah yeah yeah. you know like i i'm guessing it's a little more like that where it's like i guess there's still a person here but it's hard to tell do you feel attached to who you are oh of course okay does it freak you out to think of losing that you know, selfness? Uh, no, it doesn't really freak me out from that lens. It freaks me out to like lose the things I'm attached to, you know, like my, the people that I love, mm-hmm. the things that I have gathered, the things that, you know, the stuff that doesn't mean anything, but still like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, it freaks me out to think about, people being really sad at the thought of like me dying or someone dying. Um, but you know, becoming not what, what I think I am. I, I kind of welcome that because that's been like a lot of my spiritual journey is like questioning what this is, this thing that I think is me. Uh, so I, I really don't think that I am what I think I am. So I, it sounds kind of tight to be proven that I am not indeed that. What do you think you are or what have you thought you are? Um, well, the th- stuff that's made the most sense to me, they kind of describe it as indescribable, which is convenient. But like, uh, you know, it's like only described in negative terms, like selfless, bodiless, you're sure. the thing that remains after all of it. Right. Awareness. Awareness. Yeah. 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 So I feel like that's kind of what we are. Is this awareness, you know, the witness, the thing that's watching right. the thoughts, the thing that's watching the body, the thing that, you know, when you when you were 12, that thing was the same age as it is now that's watching mm-hmm. you. That's why people feel like the same person when they're 25 is when they're 50 and they don't know how they aged, but their body got older, but the, the witness never changed. And but I th- when you were younger, did you always identify with the witness or it, it, it sounded like you were describing a journey where maybe there were times when you were, when you clung to other identities that made it so you needed to like disentangle from those things hmm well definitely didn't like grow up that way um it wasn't until i got like pretty into spirituality i'd say like my early 20s where i started even being introduced to these concepts and they they resonated with me yeah um so yeah before that it was just normal and even (laughs) now even now i still most of the time i don't live my life like i'm the witness i live my life like freaking out about stupid shit just like everyone and having joy and fun and all all the range of emotions sure but we were talking about the sort of comedian orientation before as a as a detachment from everything as an observation of everything. Mm. And I think the way that that becomes harmful is when that's the identity you're taking too seriously. And, and you're like, I am comedian. You know what I mean? You're like Jerry right. Seinfeld. There's like, you know, no offense if that's your guy, man. Okay. Nah, I'm not nah. trying to step on your toes, but uh, you, you know, he's, that dude is so clearly like, this is, what I am, you know, to the exclusion of everything else in, in life seemingly. And I'm wondering if those, if you've had those sorts of identities where you've been like, okay, comedian, Ooh, man, I'm getting real deep into this and finding some like pain as a result of clinging too tight to being a comedian or like, oh, yeah. 
skater, you know, oh, and yeah. oh man, you know, or whatever. Like, what, oh, what yeah, have baby. those been? Oh yeah, I've had that shit deep before. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, like when my mom passed, this was in God 2014. Uh, I moved. That's how I ended up in the pandemic going to that hippie town because she lived there back then, mm. all those years ago. And that's how I was introduced to that town. And uh, yeah, there was like, I stayed there for six months with my sister and just wasn't really being a comedian. And man, that was hard. That was like, who am I? Like, what is my worth? What is my value? Who am I in the world? I'm so used to leaning on the identity of being a comedian. It immediately gives you points wherever you go. You, you're like, oh, people, oh, you're a comedian. Wow. Right, right. Uh, or negatively, like, you know, you go on enough, like, I feel like in Chicago, probably LA is similar, where everyone seems to know and have an existing uh, conception of what it means to be a comedian. Like, you don't have a box spring or a bed frame or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Well, I got a box spring pretty yeah. early on, so I was I was good, you know? It's like, different when you're, like, I think people have different associations with single comedian than with like seemingly happily partnered up comedian. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, usually it is quite different. Yeah. Uh, The the range of how comedians are is so fucking vast. It's like, but yeah, the number of ways there are to be a a scum of the earth dirtbag is, is, is multifarious. Yeah. But I feel like most people in the world don't look at it that way. They're just like, the most of the people I meet in the world that aren't in the comedy world are like, whoa, really cool. You do comedy. Yeah. Right, right, right. Something different. Yeah. They're not like, whoa, yeah. I bet you have roaches. Yeah, you're a comedian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. yeah. So you were in Nevada City for those six months and and feeling wild from not being not doing comedy. And yeah. that did, and that did that lead you? Because I could see that easily leading you back towards like, oh my god, I need to always be doing comedy. Like this is an identity that I'm clinging to, and that's for a reason, and I need to go cling to it. Yeah, no, the clinging, the clinging came back. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> I, I I clung, <laughs> listened to the clinging. Uh, but you know, I I feel like I'm different now. But yeah, I definitely was like, oh, I gotta have like. I got to be a thing. If I'm not a thing, I got to, oof, that's just too vast and empty. I'm not, I was not ready to be that, to like sit with that level of, uh, on identity. You know, it's, it's very uncomfortable. It's hard to think about like what the, I'm sure there is, and I'm sure this is ignorant, but it's hard to think about what the point is of continuing to live life at that point. It's like, Okay, if you've just fully detached from the world, what, what, what are you going to do when while your body's still around? Just have joy constantly. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> what makes me uncomfortable. Just be uh, peaceful and a beacon for other people and uh, just uh, feel love stream through <laughs> constantly because sure, sure. you're not anxious about your identity. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, this is, yeah, you're making sense here for sure. Is yeah. that, do you feel that sort of, I mean, I assume you also have some discomfort with unalloyed joy. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm on a whole different journey now. Like, I, I think what if I make it to older age, like 60 or whatever, I'll go back to trying to be like a sage or a monk or, you know, spiritual okay. cave okay. guy. But like, uh, I've, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in a human body. Let's play the human game and let's, you know, feel our emotions. And like, I'm on that, I'm on that game right now. Like, well, I've, I think I tried to spiritually bypass the feelings inside of me Mm. for a long time. And now I'm like, fuck, I think I got to feel all this shit and like just be in my body and not disassociate in through comedy or through spirituality. And 
all that shit. So I, you know, I'm, that's the train I'm on right now. What made you realize that? Like why the, you keep saying now as if it's different from before. Yeah. Oh no. I honestly, I think comedy showed me that because I I remember going to Madison, which is like, you know, the club is great. It's always Mm -hmm. packed like 300 plus people, smart college town, laughing a lot. I just remember going up there and crushing, like just crushing so hard, but I felt nothing. I was like, I felt like a robot. I felt, I didn't feel any nerves. I didn't feel anything. I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm good at comedy. Watch me do this. And then I, I did it. I'm like, what's the point of this? I just was like becoming aware that I was numb. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And then I was like, wait a minute. I haven't cried in a long, long time. Like, what's going on? And then that was kind of like the starting point of this other journey to like, you know, feel feel my emotions, you know, like feel that. Like it's so easy as a guy in this world to like not do that. And you're like rewarded for not doing that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've just been when trying to undo all that. What's that? When was that? That was like probably 2011, 2012. Oh shit. Okay. So this is like a bit. Yeah. So you've been on this, when you say right now, you've been on this train for a long time. Well, yeah, it's, I've been on the train. It's, it took like what, three or four years just to get some of the basics down of what, what is even happening here. And then a few more years to like deepen in and branch out and find the things that were good for me. And then now I'm at this point now where I've, I feel like I've found things that really help and I'm way better at being present and being in my body and like feeling my emotions but uh it's still that's so much like I spent my whole life doing the other thing so it takes a lot of time well so the question I usually end with but I'm just feeling drawn to ask it now is the coma question I like briefed you about Mm -hmm. when we started which is what's your coma which is just metaphorical and it can be mundane, but any moment of transformation where before you were one version of yourself and after you're another. And it's kind of my belief that we all have many of these moments. Um, And I guess I'm curious about this journey for you. It sounds like something snapped you out of numbness and then it sounds like, like, wh- what is the journey toward that you keep describing? Like, what is the mm. thing that you're seeking? Uh, with, yeah, with this journey, I, what am I seeking? I'm seeking to be comfortable in, okay. in myself, to be a place of comfort for other people, to, uh, have just full like healthy masculinity uh to what am i see it's like is that in contrast to like do you feel like you were like steeped in toxic masculinity before or like or that just culturally that's just part of it culturally yeah i don't feel yeah. like i was running around being toxic but like it was just the culture has yeah. been very toxic for a very long time so it's like of course, like there's just things I wasn't aware of and just so much I wasn't aware of. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's a good question. So what is the goal? I think it's just to be, it's kind of the same goal as the spiritual path. It's just to be more conscious and to be more uh, present. And I think what I discovered was my body was distracting me from being conscious because as soon as something painful happened or triggering happened, I would leave it and there goes my consciousness. So this, this half is like, okay, how do you stay when that shit happens? Um, instead of like a panic related thing. Uh, no, I mean, I think, I would probably, I guess the buzzword is trauma related, but like, sure. yeah, it's when, 
that's what trauma is is like when something happens and you leave like you don't feel it you numb you drink you eat you fucking smoke you whatever you do right. you you don't sit with it you don't let it pass through and complete its feeling and its cycle it gets stuck and lodged and then you get tight and like yeah yeah everything slows down it's like nothing's working correctly um yeah to be able to sit with intensity or to sit with discomfort without leaving it's kind of the goal was there like an originating you know it sounds like you have the same thing where even saying certain buzzwords just always feels inauthentic. So like the <laughs> word trauma gets like completely taken off the table a little bit, but like, was there an originating trauma that like led you to not be present and distract? Oh uh, yeah, man. It was the crocodiles, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I mean, it started like pre memory. I think like, <clears throat> I just think, it ha- like the way like my parents divorced when I was like one I don't remember any of that but I know it was intense and I know it was uh, not safe and so I think that's where you kind of build your mm. your whole system at that point um so yeah the, my system was built a little off because of that and so many people are like this like and it doesn't even have to be anything crazy. Not, I mean, divorce right, isn't that right. crazy, but like, um, yeah, so many, like just the way your household was, your caretaker, all that stuff, like, uh, has an effect on how you move through the world later. And so, yeah, I, it started way back then before I can, I don't have memories. I can't go to therapy and like talk about it because right, I don't right, even right, right. remember it. Um, is, there a was the sort of the comedy on state shows were those if we're if we're going to use this framework of like a coma moment mm-hmm. were those the turning point or was yeah. or was there a specific was there a different specific moment where you're like mm-hmm. fuck dude i gotta get in my life yeah that was like I don't think there was like a loud turning point, but that sure. was like a, that was a moment where the awareness crept in. And then shortly after that, things started, like life offered me a few pathways into this other world of like feelings and, and stuff. So I just took them because I was like, damn, something ain't right. Like I gotta, you gotta feel nerves. Like, Mm-hmm. especially like i get nervous like i get nerves for performing all the time and i was like this this is not right that i'm getting none uh so yeah that woke me up a little bit and then once opportunities presented themselves i took them to to like look at that yeah what were those opportunities that opened up uh the first one was a men's group a yo men's circle i had a psychi- a psychiatrist try to like not, not not in too intensive a way but like present the men's group option to me uh bro to, I, so i'm i'm open tell me about the men's <laughs> i group. love them i know it's embarrassing i used to be embarrassed about this because you know comedy it's like you can't talk about right. this without getting made right, fun right, of right. but never I, mind that comedy think, is like the ultimate men's group yeah right right <laughs> a men's group where no one talks about their feelings yeah <laughs> Uh, no, they're great, man. Like, I think so many guys are taught to not trust other guys for good reason. Like, you're going to like, you're looking at my woman, like, oh, you want my money or you know, like, there's just like this distrust deep down to like get real close to another guy. And, but the thing, like a lot of guys use women to feel and to talk about their feelings. Like they'll do it in this one little tiny corner of their lives with mm-hmm. a woman that is well-versed in emotions just because they're right, right. <laughs> raised differently. And um, so they'll have this like one tiny sliver of a place where they go for that. And then a lot of times that bends the relationship and the woman doesn't want to 
do all that work and doesn't want to be leaned on that much. And the thing is, like, it's so dope sharing with other guys because, like, we know what we fucking deal with. Like, you can't share everything with a woman. They don't, they just, like, don't understand just like we don't understand what they go through like we don't we could never fully grasp their stuff in their world and especially if you're in a relationship you know there's just like undeniable frustrations that happen and to like be able to be with other guys who understand that and to like share it and to work on it it's great and it's like been that way like men used to gather prehistorically all the way up until now like and it's just a thing we've stopped doing with intention and man sometimes it's so awesome and it feels so good and i'm just like man why the fuck aren't we doing this more and there's so many guys that are like isolated now fucking incels you know like (laughs) just on youtube getting swallowed by the algorithms and i'm like god you guys need a place to go um like a different yeah. place to go yeah yeah like a place with real people where <laughs> yeah. you can <laughs> be yeah. a person yeah okay so that's one of the paths that opens up around that time yeah and then uh therapy and also psychedelics i think yeah those are the that's the trifecta okay so when you were saying that you have found things you you know you you were like okay so then you have that realization then you take a couple of years and you start figuring out like what works for you and the point i'm at now is i have some things i know work for me and exploring from there Mm -hmm. like are those the things that you're referencing or are there like because because it sounds why by work for you i assume that you mean like tools or practices or rituals that move you toward the goal of being more present in your life, being more emotionally available, living with more intention, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. Am I right in assuming that? Yeah, 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 for sure. Are um, those three things the the specific tools or are there things now that you've like, oh, those were kind of when I started, but now okay. I... Yeah, so yeah. There, there's been some adjustments a little bit. I don't really go to talk therapy anymore. Um I go to this thing called somatic experiencing, which is, um, it's like therapy, but body based. So it's like, you know, like I said, this shit I got to work on, I can't remember it. So like, what, what am I talking about? Why am I talking? Like I've in therapy, I felt like I just, there's so many times where I was like, I just paid you a lot of money when I could have, I could have just talked to my friend. Like, Mm-hmm. or like i don't have anything to talk about today even though i feel weird like i don't there's nothing to say about it like so i was just like what, what's going on here i don't this is not really working for me so i found this other thing somatic experiencing where it's like literally you go in and you you talk a little bit about what's going on so they'll be like uh yeah i feel anger and they'll be like how do you know you feel anger where is it in your body? And then you locate the feeling and then you just sit with it until it moves through. And it's way better for me. Um, It just regulates your nervous system. So you're like basically training yourself to regulate your nervous system is another buzzword, but... um, Sure. Yeah, so instead of like also a pretty good thing regulating your nervous thing. system yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pretty good yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Is, are you in a room like in talk therapy like if, in my mind for whatever reason somatic experiencing sounds like you do it in a gym or like there would be some sort of like equipment there or they would like stretch you out or they'd have no. balls or something to, <laughs> or something you know what i mean yeah yeah no you're just in a room it's just like therapy like sometimes wow. I'll get on a table and they'll so like there's like a place where they'll do touch but like it's that part's great too but it's not like stretching or yeah anything like that um no man I I highly recommend it for anyone that's feeling stuck it's fucking awesome to like 
move through the feelings and instead of just talking about them, you actually like embody it and you move through it and clear yourself. It's, it's pretty rad. Yeah. It, I mean, I've kind of been over the last few years, especially being very housebound and like inside a lot, not only with the pandemic, but with like Chicago winters, like, the, you mm. know, a few, a few days ago it had been like, you know, we had been like hovering around, you know, zero degrees for like four or five days. And I just was inside the whole time. And I was like, yeah. and because of the pandemic that has stopped feeling weird, which is a problem, you know, that I can like spend yeah. five days inside and not realize how off I am. And I realized that there is a part of me, especially, you know, enjoying talking about this stuff. My values very much are being embodied, being present, but that even I, that I would rather talk about being present than actually be present. That like, because of growing up specific, like religious stuff and like, because of schooling and because of all these different things and just whatever, my temperament, I would rather be a head guy than a body guy. So you're describing this and I'm like, that sounds fucking incredible. Yeah. Well, you're a guy. So like, sure. Of course, you'd rather be in your head. That's what we do. That's all. That's mostly what we know. Be in your head. Think, think, think. What do you figure it out? Figure it out. But like, that's the old way, bro. That's the old way. <laughs> <laughs> you think that is it? You you think that's a a gendered thing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not a blanket like sure. Women can be caught in there um just as much as men and men can be free of that. Uh I think it's more of a masculine feminine thing, but um yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's so clear like guys are in their head like when's the last time you saw a friend cry like a guy women do that shit constantly they're just feeling their emotions think of what guy friends i even see anymore (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's even hard to hold on to them after you know as you get older it's like uh, i don't know it's something even the gathering part is gets harder. A recent one-man show I did was set in the afterlife. And a prompt in the show, or, or a, a sort of like premise of the show, was that in the afterlife, everyone gets to fully relive one memory. You have to choose one, and it's just like a room you can pop into and out of whenever you want, and just fully be in it, you know, more vividly than any other memory. But you have to choose one. Oh, I can like go back and feel it? Just be there kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. As many times as you want. Oh, man. Whoa. Man, you got some thinkers. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, so just a great memory. Um, man, there's a lot. I feel bad leaving. Don't feel out. the need to sum up your entire life. Like, no. Trust, trust your your gut. All right, I'm just gonna go with the first thing that came up. Uh, it was uh, doing doing LSD with Kenny and. A couple, and like this core group that we we go to a national park every year and uh it's a different commun- national park every yeah, year? yeah 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 um, this is you and let me see can i let me see if i can guess the, well well i don't the full... there's since there's drugs involved i don't want to name yes 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 other, yes other yes, yes okay yeah, okay okay so, okay okay yeah we'll, we'll just name the guy who's not alive and <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is uh says straight laced during it straight laced yeah yeah um but man we were we were in Sequoia National Park in California. Uh, mountains, huge trees. We found this oasis. Like we went down this weird dirt path down a mountain and found like all of a sudden it was like Shangri-La with like a river and 
swimming holes and diving rocks and we were tripping balls and uh we everyone was on we were like making the best jokes like the most pure just damn these are the best jokes that have ever been said kind of <laughs> jokes <laughs> like making fun of each other but like it was all love in in a great way and uh yeah i don't know it just felt like we we've all like a lot of us from that day were like i think that was the best day of my life um for whatever reason the the lsd was hitting just perfectly it wasn't scary it was all like a loving feeling and like the visuals were cool uh the riff was perfect the nature was beautiful the friends were top notch and uh yeah, it's just it was just one of those days that was like this is what life should be. Like what this is why we're alive. Like these moments are it was just so full. Uh yeah. So I think I mean that's what comes to mind when I think about it. There's like funny moments too. There's at one point there's like this big like waterfall thing gushing through two big boulders uh on the river and we're all looking at it like that's crazy like there's no way we're gonna like what if someone ever actually did that we're like yeah no way and then these like two 12 year olds came and just like hopped in and slid down like a water slide and we're like (laughs) oh shit (laughs) oh my god and then we all did it and like these little kids like kept doing things that we didn't think you could do. <laughs> they were jumping off these rocks that were way higher than we thought you could do. And they kept showing us like, oh no, you can, you can go do that. And so that was, and great- you, but wait, you could, because there is some like age gap stuff where it's like, I feel like the one way this story could lead is like, yeah. And then they taught us to do a thing that only they're like, resilient 12 year old bodies could handle and one of us broke our legs or something like that yeah well if that happened i wouldn't be revisiting this movie. <laughs> true, 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 yeah true. so no no it was all good they're showing us fun things that adults can do that are fun <laughs> <laughs> when was the sequoia trip oh god I'm, I'm really bad with years and dates I, i'd say if i had to guess that might have been Pre-COVID? 2020 actually okay that might have been our sneaky pandemic one okay yeah i think there is i i without even asking you to blow up the spot on this specific trip i will say there is another guest on this show (laughs) who chose a similar moment where I think I think Kenny was in it, but Cameron Gillette mm. had a had a moment where there was a specific like waterfall, uh, where it was just like the perfect day. But it sounds like yours is more like the whole day. His was more centered around a very specific swimming spot. Oh, but but I would guess that these trips might be, you know, the source of. If I had everyone on these trips on the show, I, I could really imagine getting this answer from all of you. Yeah, yeah. Cam wasn't on this trip, I don't think. So I'm curious what this what this other waterfall situation is. Yeah. Is it it's so interesting to be like every year I have a peak experience planned. Yeah. It's really cool, man. It started off as a bachelor party and then we're like, why wouldn't we do this every year? So it's just become this tradition. Um, yeah, had so many great experiences doing and this. And how many years has it been going now? I think we've done, God, six or seven, five to seven, somewhere in there. Yeah. Do you ever get people who are aware of these trips and are like hey can i yeah really oh yeah yeah (laughs) what source how do you how do you politely kind of slide them off well 
since it is centered around someone's bachelor party in the beginning, I just mm. send them to that guy and let him deal with it. <laughs> so that's kind of how I handle it. That's smart. Okay. Do you know how other people do? Like what the the brush off line is? Or I mean, I guess it sounds easy. I guess if there's something that it requires that much planning, it's, it's easy delicate, to man. lose someone. Once you find a good group, it's delicate. You don't want to mess with it too much. There's... There's been people that we've invited once or twice that almost came but didn't, but uh, like new people, but it's, you don't want to mess with the equation too much. How has, you know, if you feel comfortable saying this, like how has, do you even have a sense of how losing Kenny has affected your friend group? And I don't just mean, uh, you know, we're out of like, we're in the clear drug wise. I mean, I mean, out in the, in the real world man i i've thought about it a lot actually and i don't know he was so important on those trips like he he was the dad he was like dad energy uh so he he played a very important role (laughs) like he would make sure everyone was taken care of he'd be the one like Mm. waiting for the people that are straggling behind he would bring like his big loud positive energy in moments that were you know, like more lethargic. He helped people who had bad trips a couple times. Um, just a very important part. That's super important. I can't think of a more important Dude. role on those trips. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also could like riff with the best of them at any yeah. time. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't really know. I don't know I don't even know for sure if we're going to keep doing them. I don't know, mm. he, but I just know he was he was pivotal. Um even in comedy scenes though, you know, back in like or or any place where you would see Kenny regularly. You know, a thing that happens when people die is like turning it into lessons a lot of mm-hmm. like the thing we all need to remember is to be more like so-and-so in this way, blah, 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 you know? And it's like yeah. uh, a lot easier said than done. But are there ways in those different groups of friends where you're like, oh, man, Kenny always really looked out for this person and checked in with them. I need to start doing that. Or like, oh, like like little tweaks to your personality. That's you a great think? question. Yeah, yeah. I, I've i definitely noticed that, yeah. Because um, Kenny, you, you know, it's so weird. You don't realize who someone is fully until they're gone. Like, I always loved Kenny and I always knew he was special, but like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how or how deep it went. And since like that whole pillar has been removed, it's like, whoa, dude, you did a lot. Like you, you held down a lot of different, you know, energetic places kind of. Um, so yeah, like how does that affect me now? Like I, I definitely prioritize a hang a little more. Like I would like sometimes prefer to just be alone or to like get some rest or go to bed early. But there's been multiple times since then where I'm like, I'll stay out later i'll talk more i'll i'll go to the hang instead of deprioritizing connecting in that way kenny was like always like he would he would prioritize connecting and hanging over everything to a a point where i'm like you're you're crazy bro but um like he'd be like he'd have a flight at 6 a.m and i'm like fuck it man i'll just i'll just stay up and keep hanging like i just won't go to bed i'm like oh wow that's uh all right and and yeah. like on those trips he'd always be like the late crew he'd always be on the late crew just up all night talking connecting making jokes um so definitely uh picked up some of that from from this time um trying to download that file into my being um what else his spark too like he he was just like make things happen uh like my first video with shamadi i was like 
in my head, I was like, how do people even make good looking video? Like, it's got to be thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you even do this? And Kenny's like, well, we'll figure it out. Let's go. And then like, we shot it together and it got made. And it was like Kenny's charge ahead energy that like let that happen, like really made that happen. And I was like, hmm, I got to do that now. That's the show. Go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr to become a This Is Your Afterlife patron for as little as $5 a month and get the full version of this conversation where Aaron and I go much deeper into comedy. You can also listen to his album, Cosmic Joke, and check out Shamedy, his spiritual comedy video channel on YouTube and profile on Instagram. And that's it. Tell a friend who would like this show about the show. If you listen on Apple Podcasts and you haven't written a review, write a review. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. <laughs>